0: We're back. Steve Cohen's opening press conference was the
1: greatest presser in Mets history. What a breath of fresh air with this new ownership, Figgy. And it feels so good, Jake. Not only that, but Marcus Stroman is back after accepting the qualifying offer. And that's just in the first 24 hours of hearing from Steve Cohen. That's
0: how you get the offseason started. We'll react to what Cohen and Sandy Alderson said. Stroman's return to the Mets and what comes next. For this franchise with the post
1: Mike Puma. Let's get into all of that, Jake, next on Amazing But True from the New York Post.
2: Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true.
3: Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York, folks. It's out of here. We got you.
0: Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, we're back with Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Figgy, great to see you. It's been the first time in a while. We have so much Mets news to catch up on. You can catch up on old episodes of Amazing By True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at FiggyNY. Mike Puman is going to join us later in the show. This is a special edition emergency episode of the podcast, Figgy, because Steve Cohen is here. And when he said this and everything he said, it was magical.
2: I'm all in. Let's go Mets.
0: And obviously that was on courtesy of SNY and it was all over the place. I mean, Figgy, you're a former Met. You covered the Mets on SNY. We've done this show. That press conference on Tuesday from Steve Cohen mostly, and Sandy Altson was great too, but what Steve Cohen said was such a breath of fresh air with – what we've seen this ownership do over the course of the years and all the fumblings they've had, that was a new life taken on by Steve Cohen. It was so awesome. Everything he said from the direction of the team to how he's going to bring guys in, he's going to, he's on Twitter. That's awesome that he's on Twitter. Just everything A to Z you got to love so far, including what it's in his wallet with Steve
1: Cohen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's huge on interaction. He's huge on, having the pulse of the fan because he is a fan. He's been a fan for a long, long time. He suffered through and, you know, for someone who has the amount of money that he has, he has the ability to change all that. He His ability to change it more so than us just wishing and sitting back and going, oh, if I could make the moves, I would do this, this, and that. He can actually do it. And so I think a lot of fans are, are joyous at his arrival, they got a chance to hear him speak. You got a chance to hear him tell a little bit of his backstory, um, how far back he and his family go as Met fans. And and it's, it's one of those things that you, you would love to have that same opportunity. And I think you feel that energy from him. You feel the fact that he realizes that there's a lot on his plate. Um, it's an opportunity for him to change the franchise. And, and really have an opportunity to shape it for the next foreseeable, you know, 10 years very quickly. And I think that's what everybody's excited about is that he said all the right things. It wasn't just the stuff that was kind of, you know, written or teleprompted. It wasn't that stuff. It was afterwards when he was asked answering questions. And you can see how genuinely excited he is, how, how he is already you know, has hit the ground running and is already making moves. And you see a guy like Marcus Stroman, who had the opportunity to sit out in free agency and and sit back and get, you know, offers from all different teams. You know what? He said, I want to be a part of this. I want to be back at least for one more year to see what this is all about, because he did get a chance to see what Steve Cohen is going to bring to the table. And I think you have to have that confidence And be able to bypass all the hassle of free agency and say, you know what, I'll take 18.9 million and an opportunity to do something because this team had a special year when it came to the offense. It was just the pitching that couldn't sustain with all the injuries and all the guys opting out, Marcus being one of them, and being able to come back now and raise his value alongside, um, Stevie Cohen taking over at the helm. I think he wants to be that kind of player that helps usher in a new era here in Metland.
0: Yeah. And it was interesting how the Strowman news materialized shout out to Mets mesmerized for breaking that news. Strowman essentially, I guess, reached out to hit them and they broke it. And, um, Strowman tweeted, you know, first reported by Mets mesmerized beyond excited to be back in Queens in 2021, After watching the presser, I'm beyond excited to play for you, sir. I can feel the excitement and passion you're going to bring daily. Let's go be great at Stephen A. Cohen, too, which is his real Twitter. He's been tweeting. He's very entertaining on Twitter as well. And you just love to see, Figgy, a player and an owner just tweeting back and forth. You wouldn't see that, you know, at all. I mean, the Wilpons were never making a Twitter because they know they'd probably be destroyed if they did. And to see an owner just tweeting with fans and getting ideas and talking about bringing old-timers day back. Maybe you'll be an old-timers day. We'll see guys like Benny Akbayani, Mr. Koo, Bubba Trammel. We'll get some obscure Mets. And uh, get him back, and I think fans live for that. You know, I'll be at Old Timers Day in a heartbeat every year. And to see Steve Cohen say, Marcus, that is great news. Looking forward to meeting you soon. I will call you over the next few days. To thank you, and they're just communicating over Twitter like buds, <laughs> and you know, probably could just text us, but for the public to see it is better for you and me. I mean, we love this; we eat it up, and I think he's doing everything right. And we'll get into it in a few minutes what the Strowman move means and the off-season stuff. But back on the presser here, I think he said a lot of important things. And I think his wallet and the fact that he has a day job and he doesn't need this money is important. And this was one thing he said, uh, in the presser that I love to hear.
2: When I really thought about this, you know, I can make millions of people happy and what an incredible opportunity that is. And so, you know, that's how I'm thinking about this. You know, I'm not trying to make money here. Okay. Like I, I have my business at point seventy two, and I'm, you know, I'm, I make money over there. So here. It's really about you know building something great, building something for the fans, winning, and you know I just I just find this an amazing opportunity, and I you know I'm I'm so excited for. It.
0: And, and Figgy, that's that's big because, you know, the Wilpons, this was their day job. They were making money off this. Cohen could lose every dollar and every cent and still be one of the richest men on the planet uh, if the Mets are, are terrible. And obviously it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, but I think the fact that he said that, it's not about the money. He's got it already. You know, he wants to make us Mets fans and people like him happy. He wants to bring a championship to Queens. I think that that got me – I wanted to run through a brick wall after he said that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, listen, I I don't want to be Debbie Downer in in, in any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I do remember watching the Angels and uh, Moreno taking over, and he had a pretty open checkbook as well and went out there and he tried to sign five different center fielders for over $50 million each. That didn't work out. He's had Mike Trout, the best player in all of baseball, all by his lonesome, it seems. But he's gone out there and spent a ton of money, and the Angels have never gotten any better. I don't think the Mets are in that situation. I think the Mets are much closer uh, to to not just being in the playoffs, but having opportunity to to be perennially in the playoffs. Um, so it, it's not. Every day that an owner gets on there and is going to say, Well, I hope, you know, I make some money off this because otherwise I'm really hurting. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford anything. And no, it's not going to happen. Everything seems great. Everything seems like rainbows right now. And, and I, I love that because that's what you need as a Met fan going into the offseason. You want hope. You want to say, Hey, there's nothing holding us back this time. With Sandy having an opportunity to, to do some shopping, um, what do we say? Louis Vuitton taste on a TJ Maxx budget. No longer going to TJ Maxx. He's going right to the flagship store in France. He's walking around there, looking and shopping and getting, trying to get you know the best things that that are. Available. Bonjour, Monsieur Aldecien. Welcome to France. This is exactly where we're at right now. We're you're in a very good time, and uh, we are yet to see how it's going to play out. But man, the the, the his energy, you could feel the vibe of, of what he wants. He wants a winner here. He wants to be held accountable. That is something that I think is is amazing is that he said, yes, I'm putting people in place to run the baseball side of things because I'm not a baseball player. I wasn't a baseball player. I wasn't, I'm not a great baseball mind, but I'm a huge baseball fan and I'm the owner of the team. Having said that, I'm gonna put people in place that will run this team in a way that he's not going to be hands-in. He's going to be hands-on, but not hands-in.
2: And F- Figgy, here's exactly what he said about that. I'm going to let the professionals, Sandy, and you know the people we bring in, let them run baseball. I'm sure they'll make recommendations to me, and you know it, it'll be a, a collaborative effort. But ultimately, they're the experts.
1: That's important, right? Oh, it's very important. That's very important because there are a lot of owners um, who felt they knew more or they knew better, or what's better. And especially when it's their money being spent, what's the best things to do and how to do them. Um, and, and it's very difficult every day for an organization to to kind of function that way. Uh, you know, there's even just... The way Sandy was able to speak with the media, even the way it, it just felt different. The vibe felt different. It, it felt free. It felt like, hey, say what's on your mind, say what you want to say. And th- there's no there's nothing to really hold back on. And uh, again, we're right here in the beginning stages, the honeymoon stages. So everybody's all smiles and everything's great. What happens with the first bump in the road? You know, the, and the second bump in the road and, and things don't work out with a deal that happened for so many years. And I think the problem was is that the Woolpods never came out and expressed their disappointment publicly. They never were out there publicly saying, Hey, you know what? We're pissed off with the way things are going. We expect more we expect better from the players of the team I, I, as an owner i'm not doing my job
0: well it didn't seem like they cared and while well, they probably did they it wasn't out there that they cared you rarely heard them speak now you got steve cohen tweeting i mean he threw laura goldman in a body bag already on twitter he he threw what i loved he threw a rod in a body bag when when our our friend of the program maggie gray asked him about uh you know what do you think of the other bitch he was like what other bitters were, were there i mean that was incredible I mean Mets fans you were like that that was like the uh the mic drop moment that's when like Vince Carter dunked on Frederick Wise in the Olympics that's essentially what Steve Cohen did and I think Mets fans love everything about that because he has this confidence and swag to him but he also said I don't have the ego and I think that's important when you have a guy of that kind of magnitude I'll tell you I mean I have a little bit of ego if I had 14 billion dollars oh my goodness
1: I'd be Conor McGregor strutting my life away (laughs) see that's the beauty of him and I think he he in his own arena, yeah, he's got all the swag in the world when it comes to his business sense and what he does professionally oh yeah, you could tell he could he 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 runs that boardroom better than anybody else but when it comes to this element of it when it comes to a hey, you know what I'm the owner and and everything kind of starts with me, but at the same time he's he's gonna be able to kind of sit back and and be able to fund this thing in a way that it's not that the Wilpons didn't spend money. Uh, And you know me, Jake, I've argued many a time that they've spent money. It just they didn't get return on their investments they didn't get return on their investments and i think something- i will
0: be honest i think i called you out on wfam when i went on i i said uh uh obviously i, I great i said your i blessed your i don't even know the wording blessed your graces grace, grace your blessings <laughs> blessings uh blessings on um, blessings on um, blessings on um, blessings uh i, like I you know i said i love thinking but it's, i said you have mentioned many times like they've spent money but they didn't do it wisely. It was very rare. It wasn't like every off season they spent the money. It was every couple of years they got a big guy. The other off seasons, as I always say, they got the Adrian Gonzalez on the one year five hundred thousand dollar deal. Um, but now we're gonna see three or four big money guys and I hope listen I hope they don't do the Lindor trade if they do it's fine I'm not gonna be mad but I think you you can get and Mike we'll talk with it later with Mike Puma you can get guys I don't want to do these trades where you're trading away the farm you have the money now where Steve Cohen said we're not gonna spend like drunken sailors but you know I'd like to spend like six beers in sailors maybe eight beers in sailors maybe not a dozen beers but six to eight beers I'd like to spend I'd like to get honestly I'd like to get real Mudo Springer and Bauer I, I I know that's saying you're spending a lot but this team's never spent that way and they have holes to fill so if you have that money why not spend it is how I look at it I think there's a way to do it smartly where you're not buying it everyone and everything figgy but I do think you have a lot of flexibility that you never had and I think that's why this is such a breath of fresh air is you're not strapped because listen on the Stroman front let's get into that Normally, if the Wilpines are owners, you're saying, why are you bringing back Stroman? $19 million. He didn't pitch last year. This is the dumbest thing ever. With Steve Cohn, you're like, who cares? It's one year. $19 million is is what he wipes his ass in. Well, $19 million is the bodega toilet paper for Steve Cohen. It's not even Charmin. It's not Scott. It's bodega dump toilet. It's terrible toilet paper to him is what they got Marcus Stroman for. So I think it changes your philosophy as a fan. It changes your philosophy as a player coming here to New York. It changes the entire landscape of the organization from A to Z.
1: Listen, you're talking about now he is the third highest highest player on the team having not played at all last year and it wasn't because of injury. So uh, you're hoping that he is as as fresh um, as can possibly be, he has a tremendous season for the 18.9 million, which doesn't make him one of the highest-paid starters in all of baseball. It's either. not chump change, but it, it's it's right. You know. uh, what what I'm what I'm looking at is that hey, you know why you had to put that out there is because the farm system has been so depleted that you ponied up that offer even at 18.9 million without even batting an eyelash. Where the Wilpons probably wouldn't have done it because they were like, well, why would we even pay him 18.9 million? We don't, you know. He he left us. He backed out on his deal and we don't even know where he stands. so why would we even make that offer? but from a business side of it from a player from being able to get a compensation pick for it, absolutely you throw that out there and you hope that he takes the bait uh, and which he did and now you have somebody who wants to be here opted in. He opted out before he is now opted in he's the first player to opt in in the Steve Cohen. Uh, era, and that's what you want to be. You want to be that guy that says, hey, and he's homegrown a New Yorker, and you want somebody to have that kind of swag and say, you know what, I want to be here. And other players will follow. If you think about Yes, yeah, spend money. And if you could get those big three, that'd be great. So then what do you do after you get those big three? Well, now you have pieces that are expendable because you have five outfielders already, right? So that makes either Nimmo available, that makes J.D. Davis available. The McNeil is no longer playing in the outfield. He's going to probably be your third baseman. You have all these things that you're going to do. So now all of a sudden you can package a deal and get a Lindor. So now if you paid for those other three and then you get a Lindor and you want to lock him up, to a multi-year deal. Do you feel more confident having Lindor for five years or hoping that Rosario figures it out here, even though he's only 24? Jimenez,
0: Davis, Nemo. You do that for, for Lindor. You say yes. I say yes.
1: Really? I say yes. If I am getting, if I have Springer in the mix already, if I okay. have Springer in the mix already, then absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm
0: very indifferent on this because I really like Jimenez. I don't want to give up on him too quick, but I know Lindor, Lindor's great. Lindor
1: is proven. Lindor, you take proven commodity over... Any kind of prospect, and even though Jimenez looked great when he came out to shoot like a gangbuster, his his game ta- tailed off a little bit, and that's expected because he's what is he nineteen, twenty? I I get that, but I'm looking at is he ever going to be a Lindor? Is he? But if
0: Lindor takes away from you getting Springer and Bauer, Real Mudo, I don't do I, it. I said it the other way around, did I not? I already
1: started. I prefaced it with. If you got the other three guys, then you make the Lindor say you
0: don't get Springer, but you get Mudo and you get Bauer, but you don't get Springer. Do you still make that trade with those guys for Lindor? Because you still have to sign him too. It's he's going to be a free agent at this year, so it's basically it has to be a trade and sign, I guess, or sign and trade. I know NBA is a sign and trade. It has to be
1: has to be a sign and trade, and at the same time, you're still in that same situation because you want. How many times do we keep hearing? We need a right-handed bat. We need a gold glove type center fielder. Well, Springer checks all those boxes. And when you talk about a Northeast kid went to UConn, it's another guy right there that would have something to play for, would have that playing at home uh, mentality. It doesn't always work out. I mean, Ellsbury across the way, hey, they signed Ellsbury when he was the best center fielder in baseball, they felt, and a guy that they didn't want to let go back to Boston. And they signed him in what? They couldn't pay him to leave. They, they had him on the roster the last three years, and you're like, oh, my God, he's still on the roster, and he's making a ton of money. So it doesn't always work out, but when you have big bank like that, you can make it kind of uh, disappear for and, a little bit.
0: And Cohen Figgy talked about the Dodgers, and he likes how they do it, but he also said something else, which
2: I liked. But we also want to do it our way. You know, we want to develop our processes uh, sort of the Mets way with the Mets culture, which is going to be uniquely ours.
0: In my best Frank Sinatra voice, he did it my way. They're doing it their way, and I think you can take ideas from the Dodgers um, and teams like that in terms of spending, but you know, creating their own way. And I think that's what Cohen wants to establish. And we'll see. I'm, I'm, will listen if they do trade for Lindor. I'm not going to be mad. I just think I would like to explore this free agent market on the Stroman front, which we were talking about. Let's talk about that starting pitching, Figgy DeGrom, Stroman. Cindergaard, who we don't know. My gut tells me he's going to try for opening day just because of the competitor he is, and he's going to try and rush to get back. Realistically, it's probably a May, maybe June. Then it gets interesting. After those three, and if you take Cindergaard out, you really have to get one more guy. At the very least, you have to get one more starter, Figgy. And the interesting note is we've talked about in many shows. Is Seth Lugo? Do you keep him in the rotation? Is Peterson staying in the rotation? What do you do with Stephen Matz? That back end of the rotation is what's interesting, and if you do bring in Bauer and set up DeGrom, Stroman, Bauer, Syndergaard, if you're facing the Mets, you're scared. I mean, it could be a five-game series, which we saw some of in this weird 2020 figure. You could face the entire rotation, and one through five brings some interesting righty, lefty, different dynamics, speed, velocity, movement of the ball. I mean, it brings you so many different angles that you could attack opponents if you were able to get Bauer and, and keep Lugo in that rotation.
1: Well, that, you know what? It's funny because Lugo, ah, you've got to let Lugo know early so he can train as a starter or he can train as a reliever. It's not it's not that simple to go back and forth. Some As someone who has done it his whole career, it's it's a difficult thing to sustain the stamina of a starter. And listen, you want reality? This is reality. Do I like Seth Lugo's ability? Do I like his stuff? Do I like what he brings uh, when he steps on the mount? Absolutely. But do you know what he was as a starter last year? I I mean,
0: he wasn't as good as as he was a reliever.
1: Wasn't as good. The man had a 6.15 ERA as a starter. Now his stuff plays up. Don't get me wrong. He has, to me right now, even with Stroman, Seth Lugo still has the second best stuff on the staff behind Jacob DeGrom because he has four pitches that are plus pitches when you talk about movement, velocity, command of them. When he is a reliever, he had a 2.1 ERA, a 2.6 ERA, sorry, 2.6 ERA. What he's able to do as a reliever when he's only facing, he's not even facing nine guys because usually he goes six up, six down if he's going two innings. He's only facing the lineup one time max, but he can do that every other day. Or he can go back to back if he's not utilized. So he's a weapon that can be used in a lot of different ways. And I think the Swiss Army, uh, Seth Lugo, is what I'm more interested in at this point.
0: And, you know, at the other options, if they did not get Bauer Figgy, you're looking at guys like, and listen, I'm not going to be mad. There's guys like Tanaka, although he might go to Japan and pitch. You got a guy like Mike Miner, who's an interesting back end guy, James Paxton, who can't really stay healthy. Uh, Porcello's not coming back. John Lester, older, but, you know, has championship experience. Could be a good back end of the guy and a lefty um, if you wanted him and Peterson as two lefties. I, I just don't think that at this point you could put Steven Matz in the rotation with what he did. Jake Arrieta is an interesting name. There's some interesting guys. It's not incredible after Bauer. And, listen, Bauer has had a couple good years. He hasn't been a world beater and he also brings the off the field issues and his tweeting to the forefront especially here in New York which I know Sandy talked about he liked that um, but I don't you know if it's not Bauer that I think the the step down from him is pretty large as you can say with Real Mudo too I think James McCann is an interesting option but he's you know he's very much a B a B catcher. He's not an A plus like Rio Muto. So talking when it comes to catchers and starting pitching, the step below is is pretty big. So if you do not get Rio Muto, it's it's a big step down, but you're spending less. And if you don't get Bauer, it's it's kind of a big step down, but you're spending less.
1: I'm of the cloth that when you're talking about a franchise type catcher, that's real muto. You're talking about one of the best in all of baseball, you're talking about all the way around, whether it's offense, defense, clubhouse the whole nine yards everyone that speaks of him raves of him and and his abilities um and he's you know turning 30. He is someone who I, I have confidence in. He's never had that body type of the Wilson Ramoses of the world. You're not worrying about him putting on weight and not being able to, to do everything you need as a catcher. Um, having the universal DH also helps being able to move him in and out. And I think that's something that they have to kind of explore because you want to have his bat in the lineup if he's going to be able to DH. There is such flexibility. To me, he is the one that you have to get over Bauer. You know, I look at Garrett Cole. Yes, Garrett Cole has been phenomenal. Garrett Cole 2 years or was it 3 years ago had over 6 ERA. Um even Bauer just a you know a year ago when he was with Cincinnati, when he got to Cincinnati, he had over 6 ERA. In the COVID shortened season, where he's going all out because he knows he only is going to have 11, 12 starts, and he's, you know, he only has to go five, maybe six innings. He was great. He was phenomenal. And knowing what I know about Bauer, Bauer probably throws more breaking balls and variation of breaking balls than anybody in baseball. So it's very difficult to sit there and try and face Bauer and you're only facing him two times. You might see one fastball uh, in those two at bats. You get eight pitches and have six different kinds of breaking balls. And it makes it very difficult to square up so he was very smart in the way he went about his business this year and was able to do it because he didn't have to sustain that kind of thing for 30 games
0: and yeah you, you, he had 11 starts if you look at Bauer's numbers figgy it was 2018 he had 221 era and 27 starts and then this year is 173 11 starts so really 38 starts you you look at he's been great other than that you know 499 455 429 this guy's not lighting up the world. So it's a very small sample size when we talk about Bauer. And usually we with the Wilpons, we'd say, no, never spend the money. Obviously, money's not the issue now, but I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't get him. I'm just worried that guys like Tanak or a Paxton or a Miner are just really a step down. While, while Bauer's sample size is small, I just think you're, you're again, I, I, I maybe not say you're going from Gucci to TJ Maxx, but you're maybe going from Gucci to the Gap.
1: Those are facts, right? But there's nothing that Steve Cohen can do about that. Uh, th- that's going to possibly take being creative and and being able to either attract some uh, free agents uh, to come out and compete for for jobs and opportunities. And no, that didn't work out when it came to Walk and Porcello. Again, in, in this kind of COVID season, it, it, Brody made that offer two 10 million dollar deals and. As, uh, there's never a bad one-year deal, but kind of was bad, both of them, for uh, what, what the Mets needed. Because every time, every time you got to their outings, it was they were going to get pounded. The bullpen was going to get spent, and then what was going to happen for the next two days to try and get right. So it it really hurt the team in more ways than one because you had two of those guys in the rotation that you shouldn't have had. Only one of them really in the rotation, but Stephen Matz is still going to be that x factor and it, mm. it's not I, I i get it but he's here right so you're not going to get anything back in a trade you're not going to get value for him in a trade so you have to figure out he has to figure out he's what, not what a starter
0: figure he, he's if you if he's on this team he's going to be in the bullpen you can't he's trust him
1: perez ones. this year what do you mean not a starter they hit him as much as they could and when they finally had to turn to him in big game steven mats they finally turned to him he had nothing in the tank he had nothing to give them because he hadn't pitched in 2 months almost and, and it was it was it was an awful showing all the way around but this is, uh, this is i the think the of only, the
0: only x factor he is, is is if you're at seaport deli and he's the x factor sandwich <laughs> order he you might get the mats but i don't know you might get something else so that's when well, it comes to x factor listen
1: they're going to they're going to have to f- find a way to go out there and and get some some pieces, you're talking again about getting, well, are you getting a, a number one or number two? There are, what, two or three of those guys, and Strowman was one of them, because Strowman, uh, over the years of, of what he's done in the American League East, has pitched as an ace for Toronto Blue Jays for so many years. That, that's still where you got now, a uh, number two slash number three that's excellent and someone you can count on. You're looking at fours and fives that you're trying to get. So you're trying to get the best fours and fives that you can get if you don't get... I'm I'm, not, I'm just not 100% sold on Bauer. I'm just not, and it's it's nothing against his ability. He he is he is, he's great at at what he's able to do. I just don't know. For years, he was second fiddle to Corey Kluber, and trying to live up to what Corey Kluber was. You know, he would look and watch Corey Corey Kluber pitch and be like, oh, I got better stuff than he does. But Corey Kluber could do it over and over and over again for 34 starts, and that's why Corey Kluber is top three and freaking Cy Young every year. He's going to get paid regardless, but I don't know if even baseball, the whole baseball world is willing to uh give this guy upper echelon type money.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting Figgy, you know, it took 20 less than 24 hours uh Steve Cohen's press conference and they already got it starting pitcher back. So, we expect a lot of moves to be made and let let me close on this. Give, I want to just speak as A diehard Mets fan my whole life and kind of from the heart here. That was a breath of fresh air first off, but it is a exciting time. And it's just so joyful right now to be a Mets fan. And listen, we don't know how the offseason is going to go. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know who the Mets are going to end up with. But there's a certain level of joy that comes with someone who cares about us someone who cares about an old-timers day, someone who's going to listen to your tweets, you know, saying, can you do this? You know, a worker talking about, can we change our outfits from the the color green that they wear in the stadium to maybe a blue or an orange, a Mets color, a guy who cares about what you want, a guy who's going to put the money into all facets of, of the organization, a guy who's going to spend on, you know, maybe better promotions, a guy who's going to spend on players, a guy who's going to put money into the community as he did over $17 million into the community already right off the bat, a guy who's, you know, going to treat everyone from the ticket taker to, you know, Marcus Stroman, to Mr. Met, to me and you, to the groundskeepers, to Miss Met to the t-shirt tossers everyone from A to Z he's going to treat the same and he's going to inject a certain life that this franchise has been missing so long and this team is no longer the laughing stock in New York it's not the Yankees and the little brother when you talk championships yes but when you talk about spending and and doing things right and doing things with class and not fumbling press conferences not fumbling signings not ruining things from A to Z and, and just being a PR nightmare those Days are long gone. Uncle Stevie Cohen is here. His wife is here. I think this is so important for Mets fans to finally feel like, you know what? I'm excited. I want to go to City Field. I want to put my money into this team because. The guy who's putting the money in the team is like me. He cares. He's a great neck product. He's from Queens, Long Island. He loves this team. He's been rooting for this team. He's been watching this team. And he knows our pain. He knows when when you have an Edwin Diaz blown game and lose. He feels that pain with you. And you never felt that with the Wilpons. You never heard from the Wilpons. Now you'll see the tweets. You'll see the money spent. You'll see everything out front. You're going to see a Tom Seaver statue in the beginning of next year. You're going to have Old Timers Day. awesome games to go to. He cares about the fan experience. He cares about winning. And he said this, I don't want to be mediocre. I want to be great. And he said a window of three to five years. I think it's going to be sooner to win a championship. But everything he said was just, you walked outside and it was like, you were, it was Adam and Eve. You were naked. You didn't care about anything going on. You didn't care about politics. You didn't care about everything going on in the world. COVID, this, that, tweets, everything. You cared about one thing and that's the New York Mets. It's a new dawn. It is a new day. It is a new life for Queens. It is the best time ever to be a New York Mets fan. Figgy.
1: Wow. That's a upper echelon Uh, to Jake shouting off the upper deck right there and letting everybody know how he feels. I'm going to tell you this. It's, it's refreshing to, again, feel like you're on the inside. And in this day and age of social media and this day and age of everybody wanting to be first and, and, and always wondering or speculating, this guy's on front street. He's out front and center. Nothing bad has happened yet. Nothing bad is, has occurred. There has been nothing to really mess up. He's gone out there and he's given you some genuine excitement. He's talked about more of his disappointments of being a Mets fan and, and feeling like his hands were tied. Well, his hands are not tied anymore because he opened up that wallet in a way that said, hey, listen, I think I can do it a little bit better and I want to make sure it's done a little bit better. And as a former player, I can appreciate the whole old timers day thing. Alumni relations just started, just started with when they had Jay Harwood step down and gave him a new role. There was nothing before. There was nothing where the former players would come back and whether it's doing an autograph signing or just walking around the stadium, and you had a chance to meet some of your favorite players, maybe not the best players of all time, but some of your favorite players. And they they listened to that. And this is where Cohen comes in as a former as a, as a fan, as a guy who has a suite uh, in prime location at city field already. this is you know what he's about. He's talking about this from all angles. On the field, I'm gonna have the best baseball people, the best analytics. You heard him say that. the best he's able to afford the best of the best, the best minds. They're going to be interviewing and then and and doing things a, a little bit differently. You said before, and we didn't get a chance to touch on it you're talking about spending big money. One of these guys from Tampa Bay, they're going to have a chance to have him. And what is he going to come in and say? We don't have to spend big money. And what's going to happen there? Okay, well, don't spend the big money. But they have been with one of the smartest organizations in the last five to six years. And you've seen what they've been able to do. Yes, they got to the World Series and they fizzled out because that bullpen could not possibly sustain what they did the whole time. Uh, throughout the playoffs. So it it didn't work out for them, but they got there. And I said from the beginning, this is a 93 to 95 win team. You wouldn't take being a 95 win team as a Mets right now, going into next season and saying, Hey, uh, if we add these pieces, Sky's the limit. That's how you're feeling right now in Metsland if you're a fan. Sky's the limit. And you don't have to worry about anything being out of the price range. But at the same time, you have Sandy Alverson who used to be on the side of being cautious with just spending, you know, just to spend. And when they get the new personnel in in, in place and in charge, it's going to be a different way of doing things. Um, I think we have a lot of answers that we see as easy plugins. And if those things don't work out. Is the franchise going to turn? Are uh, all the fans going to turn against them? Oh, they didn't do it. They didn't get the pieces that they needed. Is there still hope? That's where I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to when spring training opens up next year, and hopefully it's a COVID-free environment and there's fans in the stands, and that's when it'll hit. That's when it'll hit is when you're out there as a player and you're on the field and you're stretching and there's fans in the stands and you're able to interact, and these fans will are more excited than you are to be out there because they're excited for what the possibilities of the brand new season to come. I think that's what he's doing all the way now in the beginning of this off season is he has that has us having those those thoughts and those feelings. So yes, I'm excited and I think this is uh the beginning of Great things to come. We have to see who again the, the front office will shake out to be. They lost a lot of people, a lot of good baseball people. Bye bye Brody. Yeah, Jared Banner, you had Omar Minaya, you had a lot of good baseball people who have had you know years of success that stepped down as well. So they have a lot of people to replace, and it'll be interesting to see uh exactly which, which way they go in, in every one of those departments. But again, when money's no object when you're talking about the players, money's no object when it comes to fortifying the baseball operations side of things and Sandy being at the top is a great move let's go Mets I'm ready to run through a brick
0: wall I'm ready to cure cancer I'm ready to do something I'm ready to cure COVID you talked about COVID free you've done this whole show with COVID and people don't know Figgy has COVID what the hell happened Figgy
1: I, I wish I knew uh, masks, uh you know the whole cleaning the hands everything else doorknobs could have been something as simple as doorknobs but uh, me and my family are all doing well and uh, we're uh, on, on the other side of uh, our our quarantine time. So we're getting close to uh, uh, getting through those 14 days. It was scary at first, of course, when you hear that you're positive, but um, I, I was able, you know, my family, my mom and dad had tested positive very early in the whole process and just getting their advice and their love and dealing with it, their support Um, mom and dad coming and bringing us groceries and just dropping them off at the top step and everything else. So it's been a whirlwind kind of dealing with that and, and dealing with the knowledge of having it. I think once you first get over that initial shock, it's, you know, well, how am I feeling? What are my symptoms? I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling good. I'm you know, I don't notice that anything is different than normal. I'm long, past how did it happen i i would drive myself crazy trying to figure out every single time you know what did i touch what did i do i'm thankful that me and my family are are, are doing well uh like i said we're we're moving in a positive direction and to all the families that are out there struggling with this um you know it's it's scary but if you recognize it early enough get tested get tested often and you're able to recognize what's going on and able to treat the symptoms. Surviving COVID is now where I'm going to be, and I'm uh, excited for that.
0: Yeah, well, glad you were feeling well. Your family really got hit hard, you know, not just your, you know, your cousins too. And oh yeah, uh, so the 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 Figueroas are doing okay and hanging in there. Uh, we are luckily we're about you know what 15 miles apart, a little more than six feet here in New Jersey <laughs> and New York. Uh, so all is well here. Uh, coming up next on Amazing but True is Mets beat writer for the New York Post, Mike Puma, who will talk more about Cohen being in the Zoom session, the presser, Stroman, and everything else going on in a busy time in Metsland. And joining us now on this special emergency edition of the Amazing But True podcast, Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa, is a man who is in the Zoom session with Uncle Stevie and Sandy Alderson. It's the Mets beat writer for the post, Mike Puma. Follow him on Twitter at NYPost underscore Mets and read his stories in the post. And at NYPost.com. Let's start with the presser Puma. Uh what do you think? Mets fans, I mean, it was like it's like you typed in pornhub.com and the Steve Cohen press conference came up. It was just incredible. Everything he said. You as a reporter, as a writer, being in that room, and you know, it was a longer press conference than you're used to. What were your evaluations of what both him and Sandy Alderson said?
3: Yeah, I thought Steve Cohen, the best thing that came out of that was just how genuine he was. Now, you know, he had his prescripted comments at the beginning, but then when he started answering questions, he he, he came off as the, the guy who sits in the seats at City Field, who's a you know long suffering Mets fan who has a lot of money. That's that's how he came off. <laughs> a fan who has a lot of money. You know, I I think that's the way he wanted to come across, and I think that's gonna endear him to the fans. He he totally nailed it. Sandy Alderson was uh relaxed, uh straightforward, didn't have to hold back anything as in, in the past as I think he's he's he had to watch himself in the in the past what he said because uh the Will Ponds were hovering over him. I think uh, both of them knocked it out of the park yesterday.
0: The next bit of information is Marcus stroman I I know you and him were uh um, MySpace, he was in your top eight, of course, back in the day, I'm sure. Uh, but he, he comes back to the Mets on a one-year deal, $18.9 million. I don't know if people, uh, maybe younger or older, will get that reference. I actually never had MySpace. I was late to Facebook as well. But uh, $18.9 million. To me, Puma, it seems like with all the money you have now, it makes all the sense in the world to bring him back for a year, and he's kind of your like your number three starter. What would you think of him coming back?
3: Hey, you know, let's be honest. Let's look at the market. Behind Trevor Bauer, is there anybody you could say who's who's definitely a, a cut above uh, Marcus Stroman? Probably not. So I, I, I think it's 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 a win-win for both sides. I don't think Stroman was, was going to hit the uh jackpot on the open market as of last week uh late last week i had heard that he was leaning toward uh, declining the offer and going to free agency maybe uh you know i'm, I'm wondering if the, the the robbie ray uh deal over the weekend might have might have scared him a little bit and ray got what eight million for one year to go to Toronto. Now, granted, Ray didn't have a great year, but he only got $8 million over one year.
0: Well, I think Puma, the press conference really helped him kind of make his decision because also he ripped Mets Twitter. I don't know if you saw that last week where he said, you guys don't have much else better to do. Uh, So he was kind of mad at Mets Twitter. So I I think the the Steve Cohen presser uh, influenced him and some other free agents.
3: Yeah, I mean, him coming back on the qualifying office offer, I, I think it, it, it's great for the Mets. Now you, you line him up with DeGrom, Peterson. You still have to go out and get another arm. I think you still aim for Trevor Bauer. And if, if that doesn't work, maybe, maybe you start looking at some trades. Uh, you know, my colleague Joel Sherman's thrown kind of you Darvish's name out there if, if the Cubs are looking to to cut some uh, salaries. So there's some other ways to go if, if you don't get Trevor Bauer.
0: Yeah, Figgy and I are hoping if, if COVID is is done, I don't know if it will be by March, uh, we'll see where where we're at by then to go down to spring training. And I would like to be the one that takes the picture of you, your hand around Marcus Stroman, because you guys are going to be best buds in 2021. And then Stroman's <laughs> going to be here in the long term. He's going to have the sandwich named after him at Seaport Deli, where he's from in Long Island, uh, just like Steven Matz. Um, And it's going to be all buddy-buddy. And hopefully there'll be fans in the stands. You know, if Mike Puma is the next Mets GM, obviously, you know, Sandy revealed that he was down in Florida and he interviewed one of the potential candidates. Uh, if Mike Puma is hired, where do you go next year? What What are your two to three next moves here as we look ahead in the crystal ball of the offseason?
3: Well, you know, I, I still like the idea of of trying to get JT Real Muto. I mean, he, he's... You know he's a terrific catcher, and now you know is he worth five, say five years and 150 million for for a catcher that's 29 years old? probably not you know you're gonna be paying probably uh, on the on the back end of that deal but at the same time you could get real mudo you really set yourself up nicely I mean you know the bat he brings to the lineup the athleticism behind the plate I, I would make that my my top target and then I, I then I you know if I could get George Springer great and
0: uh, you know Bauer I'm I'm, I'm kind of uh, he'll give you a lot I, of I headlines like... for the New York Post I'll tell you that he'll give you many yeah. headlines.
3: There's always that possibility, yeah. No, I I think I would make my number one target right now the real Mudo. Is Springer, yes. to
0: Springer 1A, a Springer 2 cuz everyone's talking I'll about put, Springer. i will
3: put Springer 2, Bauer 3, and then uh there's a lot of talk about Francisco Lindor and that's great if you could pull off something, that's not, I don't I wouldn't make that a priority right now. You still got to fill in that rotation and bullpen and if you're going to use any pieces in a trade, I I, I'm, I might use pieces in a trade for a starting pitcher over uh a shortstop because Because the other thing you look at is, okay, you you stick it out this year with Rosario and Jimenez at shortstop. And then you got that great free agent class coming up with shortstops next year with Corey Seager and uh, Carlos uh, Correa and that whole crew. I mean, you could go out and get a shortstop next offseason and and just make do with, with what you have right now and use your other your tradable pieces to get pitching.
1: It looks it looks like they want three major league players for Lindor right now, and that's a, a big ask um, for a guy who's going to be a free agent. So it'd have to be a kind of sign and 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 then make the trade kind of thing. But I I don't know. I, I think you you are excited about what you have in house at shortstop. Is it you know that caliber? Are we talking about Lindor? No, we're not. But I, I think what you have in house is is plentiful until you get to that next class with those three names that you brought up. Uh, I think that would be still phenomenal gets. Uh, we talk about JT Real Muto and paying him $125 million only for five years. Yeah. Look at Yadier Molina's stats from 30 to 35. What did he do? Only make the all-star game every year and, and put up MVP type caliber numbers as he carried that team from that position. Pieces came in and out from St. Louis, right? Guys came and, and went. Guys would have a good season and then Cardinals would trade him. You would hear all these names and it was, who's Colton Wong, the second best Cardinal in the last in those five years? So you have somebody like yadi Molina, who from 30 to 35 didn't decline. If anything, he got better. He got better as a hitter. He got better, more patient as a hitter. He did it, it almost seemed like he did more by doing less. You know, he wasn't very rah-rah all over the place. And you see that in Real Mudo's game where he's kind of let everything slow down. He's not that guy that's trying to get on base and steal bases. He's not trying to do, and even even the Phillies have done a uh, the free agent market, they've done him a great favor by not playing him nearly as much as a catcher that they could have this year. They could have worn him into the ground and said, screw it. But Knapp, I think, caught almost as many games as he did. So I think Ramuto is in his prime. I think he's also a guy who it's not a Wilson Ramos situation where he had a good one year offensively and he's the best offensive catcher. Um, there was so much left to be desired by Ramos's game. he was declining way before that. Uh, th- these guys aren't built the same. So I think uh, Real Muto at five years for that kind of money for 25 million, you jump at that opportunity because that's solid that's a solidified position. and that is a fallback also. they talk about Molina. And, you know, and, and possibly getting him.
0: James McCann is probably the, the next one. McCann's
1: option. another. Uh, I, yeah. I, I still, again, I still look at Molina. I'm not looking at Molina as someone who's declining or someone who doesn't have the skills to keep doing what he's doing. I, I don't think there's anyone that can say that he, he still can hit 280 and, and, and drive in 80 runs and still be one of the best catch and throw guys. And you talk about handling a pitching staff. There's nobody better at handling a pitching staff. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? We've been sitting back and we're like, oh, we got Ramos, but he can't call a game. Nobody likes pitching to him. So then you had Tom- Tomas Nito as your best option uh, to catching after that. So I think Real Mudo is, is the best of both worlds. And if it costs 125, I-, I think they've spent 125 in other places that it hasn't worked out. I think it's, a best, it's their best move.
3: And you know, the other thing that would be nice if we kind of got resolved here is, is what's going on with the DH. I mean, do, doesn't that kind of affect... Uh, Dictates a lot. What, what you're going to do with your team here. Uh, the Mets are a team with a lot of potential DHs. The way they shape their team this offseason is, is going to be based on whether the designated hitter sticks or not.
1: That's staying. There's no way that they're, they're going back on that one. I think they baseball all the way around uh, reap the benefits of, of having a universal DH. There's no way the Players Association is going no 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 listen pitchers are batting 130 combined over the last five years we need that in the lineup there's no way i i get it it's, it's been a, it's been a really good run uh, and as a national league guy myself who loved handling the bat yes i felt like i had an advantage because i could handle the bat but i would much rather have a guy who could hit 30 home runs in my spot than and an opportunity for me to pitch deeper into a ball game because i don't have to worry about being pinch hit for yeah you were a much
0: better hitter than you were a pitcher figgy right <laughs>
1: that's what I said. I, I thought I should have been playing shortstop, but they never gave me the chance. But I think that's what we're looking at right now. Is there? Listen, let's forget about National League baseball and the strategy of the sacrifice bunt and all that. That's gone. There's a strategy and using the right DH at the right time. There's a strategy and all those things. More than anything, is is extra inning guy on second base. They can keep that. I know Jake we haven't been we haven't talked we haven't done anything since then I know you were excited to hear that Brody was gone and I really- said on
0: WFAN my my WFAN debut I said uh he better be headed to Brooks Brothers for his next suit for his interview for a car salesman or agent whatever his next job is so hopefully they got some good uh Black Friday deals for suits for uh Brody
3: <laughs> you look at the AAA and AA levels and, and Sandy Alderson actually mentioned this on the call yesterday they are the cupboard is really bare you know AA on up you know they've, they've They've got some work to do now. I, I know they were excited about the last couple of drafts they had, but those guys aren't aren't going to be anywhere uh, near ready for a while. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at what, what AAA has been for the Mets. Now, this year, obviously, there was no real AAA, but it's basically been, um, you know, major league players that they, they've kind of signed off the scrap heap to, to – to give them extra depth there hasn't been that uh big guy knocking on the door now Andres Jimenez popped up this year and he did a nice job for them there, there there isn't much there right now
0: um the next question is Puma you know we'll we'll close on this is what do you think do you think the new president I, we don't know who it's going to be yet it's too early to say really um do you think they come in and get rid of Luis Rojas or do you th- gun in your head do you think he stays or goes
3: I think Luis Rojas is going to stay. He's he's got a relationship with Sandy Alderson. Uh, it's it's tough to judge him based on a sixty game season and in the COVID season. I think the I think the organization likes him. I th- I think in, unless they hire a new president of baseball operations who's just hell bent on bringing in his own guy, I, I don't think Sandy would stand in the way. You know, a, a new GM bringing in his own guy, but I I don't know if there's that difference maker that a, a, a new GM wants to bring in so I'm going to say Rojas stays and uh, gets a chance to show what he can do.
0: And we'll make sure Rojas doesn't get behind a wheel drunk and, and uh, tell <laughs> tell officers that you, I'm a Mets manager. You don't know me? Uh, so, I'm, you know, that, that, that's like, you know, Figgy, you going out. I, I pitched for the Mets. I want an Emmy on SNY. How dare you arrest me? <laughs> uh, so that Tony La Russa hiring still blowing up the baseball world. Mike Puma always blows up the baseball world with his Mets coverage, which you can find at nypost.com and in the newspaper at nypost underscore mets on twitter puma hopefully we could check in with you again this offseason and hopefully that means uh some bower some Rio mudo and some springer just spread the love all around and spend all the money but not like a drunken sailor thanks yeah
3: puma. we're just getting started here
0: That says hasta la vista, baby, to episode 32, the Steve Cohen edition. Yes, that's right. We made up a number for him of Amazing But True, our Mets
1: podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake, and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Catch up on all episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review.
0: For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back whenever the Mets' next big news hits, and we expect a lot of it because we got money now, baby. Queens gets the money. Talk to you next time. Mets fans,
2: stay safe.